You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder John Wellborn as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, a.k.a. Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move the dirt, you've come to the right place. Now with the warm-up done, let the gains begin. So, Colin, welcome to Power Athlete Radio. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And it's great to see you. Chris and I go back like, gosh, like 20 years now. I mean, we've we've known each other since around like 2002. It's crazy. God, we thought he's been lying this entire time. I have claimed to accomplish nothing. Well, uh, Parsley is also Katie Taylor. That's right. uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley, the uh, NSW... Yeah. Well, a former SEAL, also doctor for uh, Naval Special Warfare. Yes. And alum of the podcast. So. Yeah. And we part of the motivation to get you on, Colin, is I've heard you speak with a passion about Army and Navy football. And we've had the opportunity to go out to 18th Airborne Corps and institute some training programs for them and work very closely with NSW. And it's always a point of contention, the football game, which I always thought was awesome, man. So uh, let's let's kick it off with that. Some Army football talk. Speak to us about your opportunity there and, and what that game has meant for you. Oh, man, that game means so much. And just to go back a little bit, give you a little you know breakdown of how I got there and, and how that all kind of came to be. Um, so I was I was a freshman in high school. When 9-11 happened. Um, you know, I knew I wanted to serve in some capacity. Uh, so I, I kind of started that whole process of, uh, of, of trying to get in. Um, and that starts pretty early, like earlier in your junior year, like you're opening a packet and like it, it, it all gets started. And so um, I wasn't highly recruited out of high school. Um, you know, I, I played linebacker, Chris, you know, I, I played linebacker and um, yeah, just a lot of, te- a lot of D one teams weren't looking for, you know, a five, nine, uh, you know, slow linebacker. <laughs> so I didn't get a, I didn't get a lot of, a lot of looks there. Um but Army was interested uh, in me as a fullback. So, um, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. I had already started to apply and, and, uh, and um, I had my, you know, congressional nomination. It was kind of like the hardest part. So it was, it was kind of an easy matchup there. You know, they wanted me to play football. I wanted to go there. So, you know, I went and uh, got there basically like glorified walk on. Like I was probably last on the depth chart. And, uh, and there were like eight other guys came in at fullback. And this was at a time when army was, I mean, they were taking, they had like 200 guys on the team. They were just taking, you know, everybody they could, because I don't, there weren't really any restrictions. Like everybody there's on scholarship. So, um, you know, we had a ton of guys on the team and the attrition rates were really high there. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was really low on the depth chart, you know, just kind of trying to make it. And, uh, and yeah, I kept just sticking with it. I stuck with it, you know, until my senior year. And I was basically like the last guy left. I was literally the only senior left. Um, and so I got an, got an opportunity uh, to start that year. And I had really good fullbacks in front of me. Uh, Mike Vitti, who's now the uh, O-line coach there now, was a year ahead of me. And he was just, he was an unbelievable fullback. So uh, it wasn't really until my senior year that I got an opportunity to actually start and play a lot. Um, and that was in 2008 when we finally decided 
that we were going to go back to the option. Um, so we had run a pro style offense. So my first three years, I maybe touched the ball once or twice. Well, uh, up to that there's point. no fullback in a pro style offense. So that's what I was laughing about is like, you know, they, I mean, as you know, you got to the NFL and well, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the yeah, fullback is by like far like, yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they, they just kind of phased it out, which is crazy to me because, uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know how you run the rock without a two back set. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate the way it's gone. Um, oh yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, the football <laughs> I watched today is not the football I played and the football I grew up on, you know, with like this one back spread them out. Maybe you're going to run just to change it up. But it's like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about legitimate football where you start pouring a running back in or a fullback in there and you're trying to run power and zone and, you know, actually do some stuff. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's what I was doing my first three years. I was just, you know, trying to blow up a hole, trying to get to a linebacker, um, you know, just straight run blocking. And then my senior year, uh, we went to the option, the triple option. And um, we, I, I, we weren't recruited for it. Like that was, that was the kind of thing. We like, we, we were not recruited for that. Why offense. did they go so back to was, it? What was it out of necessity or you brought in a new coach or like, why all of a sudden, I mean, to get to go from a pro set to all of a sudden a triple option. I mean, dude, like there could not be two like more different offenses, especially trying to learn it as a senior. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think it was a, I, I think it was multifactorial. I think there was a lot of things going on. Um, so Bobby Ross had just left, um, and we now had Stan Brock as our coach, and um, and it, it was a time of change. Like this was all leading up to where they are now. I mean, this, it, it's been a long process. Um, so there was, I don't know if there was pressure from alumni or who or what. Uh, but it was kind of this this movement towards getting back to what academy football is kind of all about, you know, running the options, you know, spreading things out, you running the triple option. Um, so they didn't, just wanted to get back to that. Didn't Navy run like a weird wishbone? Um, I, I only remember this because we played Navy in the Aloha Bowl. This is like in like the early 90s. And uh, they ran some wacky like wishbone offense that we had never seen. And uh, so I just didn't know yeah. if like that was kind of like the wishbone triple option, that type of stuff was more like the Academy type football. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of the Academy type football because you have smaller old linemen and if, if your old lineman can cut and, you know, run and it, it just works like the personnel works for those kind of offenses. Um, and that's, that's why they're effective because you can get those linemen moving and then, and then just cut guys. Um, so yeah, there were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of reasons for it. Um, but I just knew that I got, I got told like, Hey, you're gonna, you're gonna run the dive. You're gonna run the dive every play and you're going to get hit every play. And you're getting crushed every play. Um, so just be ready for that. And I was like, all right, so great. Um, not knowing really what to expect. Um, and then, you know, we started running it, ended up like 200 something carries that year. And, you know, brushing a lot of yards uh and and that kind of garnered some attention which leads in the nfl stuff but um to to speak on the the army navy game i mean it was it was an unbelievable experience i mean it was just to think about the scope of that game and you know the history of that game everyone that has played in it um you know it's just an honor and you know it's 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 been a it was a privilege to play in that game i thought um you know it it was amazing and even as a player, you kind of get like the football blinders on. So you're not really like seeing the whole picture, but, um, 
going back now, I think I think it means even more now than it did when I was playing. I mean, when I was playing, it was like, you know, I want to I want to kick ass on the field and like play really hard and win this game, which we never did. But you know, that's, <laughs> that's another discussion. But um, but yeah, it was just it was just such a it's just such a great game. I mean, it's and it's really it's a celebration. It means so many different things to so many different people. Um, you know, it's, it's more than just the football on the field. Uh, there's so much more that goes on, goes on outside of that. Uh, you know, you, you have the cadets I mean, really it's, it's the end of their semester. It's time for them to let loose and, and to celebrate their school and the pride in their school, um, you know, for the midshipmen as well. Uh, and then, you know, you have, you have, uh, you have a lot of organizations, um, that surround that game uh, and, and use it as um, almost like a, a reunion. Um, you know, one of the organizations I'm involved with, Legacies Alive, they do a tailgate every year and it's got bigger every year. And it's really a reunion uh, for Gold Star family. So it's a way to celebrate them, celebrate soldiers, celebrate our freedom and country. And it's just, it's, it's such a, a privilege to have been a part of that. And, um, and going back as a fan is so much different. I didn't go back for probably, oh gosh, seven years. I think it was, I graduated 2009. I didn't go to a game until 2016 in person. The first game I went to was in 2016 in Baltimore. Um, and that was the first time that we had won in probably 14 years. So I was just freaking out. We had, we had got, my brother-in-law and I, my brother-in-law also went to, went to West Point and he had, we had gotten tickets like a week before and so we were sitting up in the nosebleeds with all the Navy fans, like being obnoxious and just going crazy because we were winning. And then I don't think I've ever run out of a seat and out of bleachers and onto a field faster than after we won that game. You know, it was just, it was unbelievable. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a great game. It's like, it's basically an American bucket list item. Like I feel like every American should go to an army Navy game and experience it. Cause it's, it's such a great experience. I mean, just everything, the flyovers, the cadet march on just all the pageantry and everything. I mean, it's really cool. It's really cool to see. Awesome. Yeah. And they get the opportunity to move it around to different pro stadiums each year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know uh, the president usually goes, um, that's like a big deal. I always remember seeing the army Navy game. I saw Obama go pretty sure Trump went, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't watch it. Biden went, but, uh, I always thought that was kind of neat that like, you know, in, in his, historically the president always shows up, which I think is cool as shit. Yeah, so I I have a quick story about that. I actually met George W. Bush um, at the Army Navy game my senior year. He he came and talked to the well, he, came, he he talked to both teams, but he came and he like introduced himself to the captains. Which I thought it was really cool. And he he asked me where I was from. I said Texas, and he was like, "Oh, you know, tell your parents I said hello." And I was just like, "What? <laughs> okay, <laughs> you, oh, all right, like cool." <laughs> we met. Uh, uh, I met George W. on the campaign. We were at. Uh, training camp for uh Kansas City Chiefs and Lamar Hunt at the time was our owner he since passed away but uh Lamar Hunt and his dad and his family pretty much you know were like this with uh, the Bush family in terms of like donations and oil and all that so I know that that uh old man um George what is it Huber like the whatever the old man that was in charge of the CIA so he and uh, old man Hunt were good friends so all of a sudden we're at practice and this fucking tour bus pulls up onto our field 
And mind you, like out of nowhere, like all of a sudden, all these like secret service dudes are coming around. They collected all of our helmets. Like we're going to fucking hit the president with a helmet. Right. And so we're standing there and he gets off the bus and comes out. He's wearing cowboy boots. And it was really interesting to see. Uh, well, I mean, it was cool to meet him, but it was really interesting when he walked over and like you could see him like shaking old man Hunt's hand. Like, thank you so much, Mr. Hunt. It's great to, to be here. And it was just like so appreciative that you're like, how much fucking money has this old man been given this guy, you know? But, uh, you know, to pull his tour bus up on, um, you know, on the campaign stop. So that was super cool. And we all got to shake his hand and he talked to us for a few minutes. But, uh, you know, I mean, I uh, like, you know, however you feel about, you know, politics or whatever, like it's still um, this amazing institution that only, you know, 45, 46 people in the history of the United States have actually done. So I, I still have some reverence and, you know, it's it's kind of tough when you see these people. But uh, at the end of the day, it's still pretty amazing lineage that all that so few people get the opportunity and they get a chance to meet the president this episode of power athlete radio is powered by train heroic the most immersive strength training app experience on the market we've built our online training business by partnering with train heroic and helping us deliver all of our world-class training programs like jack street field strong and grindstone to learn which power athlete training program best suits your goals head to powerathletehq.com training and if you're a coach looking to build a business with the best tech and training, go to trainheroic.co forward slash powerathletehq. And now back to the show. So you rolled from graduation right into the army. What was that experience like? Is it, is it, I mean, West Point, you're automatically like above the ranks. So how does that well, you're experience? an officer. So yeah. he, he goes as an officer. So yeah, yeah where, where did you deploy or did you deploy? How'd, how'd that all go? Uh, so I did not, I did not deploy overseas. Um, so I, uh, I was stationed at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Uh, I was, I, I was commissioned as a field artillery officer. So I was, I was stationed out there. So I was a executive officer for a training battery. Like we were training, so we were training privates, um, to become artillerymen basically. So the guys that worked on the cannons, the cannon crew, we were, we were training them. Um, so getting them ready to go to their unit so they could, uh, so they could be, you know, proficient cannon crewmen basically. Um, so a lot of what I did was, uh, you know, making sure that our, our guns were maintenance, we had the supply we need. And then I was out in the field, uh, as a range, uh, they called it OIC, basically officer in charge on the ground when we were, when we were shooting. So, um, yeah, did that, did that for three years, uh, on active duty. Um, and then, and then the Titans thing came around. So it was, it was kind of a, how did that all come around? Of, like, uh, yeah, like, that, like that's pretty interesting in that, like, you know, you're in the army, you're in this and like, you know, three years is, uh, might as well be, you know, seven careers to be out of, uh, out of football. And then all of a sudden they kind of, you know, peel you back in after you're what, like already what, 20, 25, 26 years old. Yeah. I was, yeah. 26 at the time when I got signed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was kind of crazy. So my senior year did well, uh, went to the East West Shrine game, did well there. Uh, and then I actually got invited to minicamp with the, the Saints and the Vikings. And um, so I was, on, I was on the radar, but everyone knew that I was, I was going into the Army. Um, so I did, I, you, know, you know, did the, at the time, so there's, yeah, got to go back a little bit. At the time, there was a, a policy uh, from the Department of Defense that said, if you did 24 months active duty, uh, you could apply for early release if you had a contract with a team. So that's um, 
kind of what happened. So after, after 24 months, I um, somehow finagled my way into the OU um, pro day. And it was, it, I, I did really well. And there were a lot of scouts there because that was the year that DeMarco Murray was coming out, but he decided not to work out. So it was like a great opportunity because there was tons of scouts there. And so I did really well. And they were like, oh, who's this, who's this army guy? And like, he just showed up and like, who's this army guy? So it looked like something might happen. Like I might at least get an invite to a mini camp on a tryout basis or, you know, something. Uh, and it just so happened about a week later, the NFL lockout in 2011 happened <laughs> and uh, it kind of just like shut everything down. Like I, I didn't get signed by anybody. Uh, I didn't get picked up for training camp. I mean, it was just, it was, uh, it was tough, but um, I decided I was, I was kind of at a crossroads like, man, it's been, it's already been two years and I haven't played football. I was, I was catching balls from seventh graders at a local church, you know, just to stay in shape. And, uh, and um, so I decided to give it one more shot in the spring of 2012. Uh, they used to have the NFL regional combine. It was, you could pay 200 bucks. Anybody could show up and work out. And uh, yeah, it was, oh man. Like when I, when I showed up, I was, a little concerned because it was like you know a shirt with like iron on numbers and a guy that got off the street with a camcorder to like film us running 40s and there was like no scouts or anything um yeah so I was a little worried and then about a week later I got a call um said I qualified for a super regional combine and I was like all right and another like, two hundred dollars <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was milking like, oh, you. A scam? Yeah, what exactly. has happened? Yeah. You were, you're going to the uh, super regional combine, but this one's going to need 200 and we're going to need you to pay Palace this money. And you're like, what? This is, there's no NFL on this email. Yeah, I was just sending my, I was sending my money right to a Nigerian prince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Showing up in Detroit for a workout. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it turned out to be legit. So I, I actually, I went to, I went to Detroit. It was at Ford Field. Um, and yeah, there was scouts and GMs and the whole deal. And it was me and one other guy that was there for fullback. And then uh, probably like six running backs. And so I was like, man, this is it. Like, I, I this is my last shot, you know. So I, I gave it everything I had. And uh, I did really well. And I probably ran the fastest I've ever run in my life. Like, it was, it was like, it was like, high four fives like four six and then like basically just blacked out and like ran a 40 so <laughs> um so then about a i guess it was like two or three weeks later maybe not even that long it was maybe like a week i get a call from jacksonville like hey we want you to come out for uh mini camp on a trial basis and so yeah it's great you know and then uh tennessee found out about it and they called me on like a Tuesday or Wednesday before I was supposed to leave on Friday for this mini camp or Thursday. And uh, like, yeah, we're going to bring you out. So I went out like the next day and tried, did a tryout with them and they signed me that day, May 1st, 2012. It was crazy. Um, so then I came back to Fort Sill and basically had to get all the paperwork together to be able to apply for this early release, had to be sent to the Pentagon and like all this craziness. So, you know, I was, I was calling in favors to generals and things like trying to get this paperwork moved. And 
you know, it was, it was unbelievable. I, I guess I should preface all this by saying like nothing happened in a vacuum. Like there was so much help along the way, you know, to make things happen. Um, you know, I, I can't be more thankful for everyone that stuck their neck out for me and, and helped me get to, you know, that point. Um, so yeah, I went back and I, I put in the paperwork and then I was back probably a month later for, uh, for OTAs and uh, rookie minicamp and OTAs. And then, uh, yeah, during that time, my paperwork had been submitted, but it wasn't approved yet. So, um, gosh, who, oh man, I'm blanking on names, but, uh, oh, General Lennington was at, uh, the Pentagon. He was a commandant while I was at army. And so I, I sent him a message like, Hey, could you look into this? Maybe see what's going on, push this paperwork a little bit. And, uh, yeah, he made it happen. It was like it, everything got moved forward. And by the time I started training camp, like I was in that transition. So, um, so yeah, like I couldn't have done it without all the help that I had. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable, but yeah, I went back and training camp and went through training camp and then got cut, which is always fun. And then, uh, you know, got picked up for the practice squad, got a call. Hey, you're, you made the practice, you're, we're signing you to the practice squad. So I was back on the practice squad um after camp and then uh yeah and then hung around on the practice squad uh activated for two games i was activated for uh houston and jacksonville actually as a running back um because we were down some running backs so um and i was i was running i was running running back on the scout team so like, oh yeah mooney you know mooney can do it if we need a guy so uh jacksonville i actually at the end of the game, we're in a four minute drill and I got like five carries for like 21 yards or something. <laughs> nice. like, yeah. So it was like, uh, yeah. They're like, is that white guy lost? What's he doing back there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, Who is this guy? Like, oh, man. He, he shouldn't be there. Like, yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, dude, the only white running back, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, I guess McCaffrey. Rex Burkhead, Houston's backup. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean, they're few and far between. We can probably name them on a hand. So that's good. That's good you got in there. I mean, four minutes. Yeah, cool. So for those of you guys who know, four minute drill is basically you're at the end of the game, you have the ball, you you have the lead, and you're just basically trying to just pound the ball out or kind of run out the clock. So four minutes, just an opportunity to go in. And the whole deal is about getting first downs and just chewing the clock up. So they teach guys to like get slow off the ground and, you know, do a bunch of stupid shit. Like if you get hurt, you got to run off the field. Like it's uh, but it's a legitimate part, just like, you know, you, you prep two minute drill and, you know, your opening drive in that four minutes usually end the game. Yeah, we were beating Jacksonville like, I don't know, 30. Just, I don't know. We were killing them. Um, so, yeah, they basically told me like, hey, go get a first down. And so I was running like it was a, the Super Bowl, man. Like I was I was running as hard as I could just to like get every yard, get the first down. I got a first down. I was like, that, that's it. Like I did it, you know. <laughs> so it, was, uh, it, was, it was a fun moment. So. Yeah. Speak, yeah. speak to us about the training. I, I recall some in college, you had a hand injury and that was my first exposure to manual resistance because you couldn't, you couldn't bench press. So you're tapping, tapping me in to provide some resistance for, for all this stuff. So it was cool to, to connect with you on some workout stuff. And then later down the road, seeing what the hell was going on, but speak to that jump from the, uh, the army training because I know you guys got PT and then strength and conditioning to then being a professional athlete where all you get to do is, is hang out and do some Uber driving. That's, that's what he did in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. And then that's true. As an NFL player, you were driving Uber. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I was in Atlanta. Like your day off on, on IR. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got put on IR because I tore my bicep in the uh, the last preseason game against Baltimore. I literally just scored the touchdown uh, the play before. Uh, I, I recovered a fumble on the two-yard line and took it in and then ran down on the, the kickoff, tackled the guy, and tore my bicep, and that was the end of my season right there. Yeah, so that was a bummer. But, yeah, um, as far as the training goes, like, yeah, I've basically – I mean, man, you talk about, like, the spectrum of different kind of training. Because um, at Army, I think you talked about this with uh, with Nick Hardwick and, like, the uh, – I think it was episode like 644. You talked about the the hypertrophy and just like going to failure um, and like you move to the next machine. Um, we did that at Army. Like that was my my first year at Army. Like that was what we did. And it really it was it was uh, it was time efficiency because we just didn't have the time to you know lift for hours. You know we like we we had to get in and get out. So we would go down the row. You would go down a row. And you would you would go to failure on a machine, you go to the next machine, and you and you would have a row for the day. Um, so I've been there with training. I've been uh, to you know more more athletic, flexible flexibility stuff, prehab. Uh, you know, trying to prevent injury, which I could never figure out. Apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had it's my fair share of injuries. It's like I I firmly believe it's luck. Like I honestly, like I was, um, you know, somebody asked me recently about it, about like, Hey, you know, like, uh, what injuries did you have? Like, how come, um, you know, cert like they, they just basically, and I was like, dude, it's 100% luck. Like I was thinking our center Bubba Miller, um, we were like, you know, first game of the year, uh, we come off on a double team. And, uh, as we come off, like somehow the dude, like fell down and we stepped over him. I stepped over him and he landed on Bubba's leg and broke his leg like on film, like we watched it and we still, to this day, I don't know how Bubba broke his leg. Like we came off on a double team. The dude went down, I stepped over him and somehow Bubba did and he broke his leg. And like, I remember watching on film and being like, shit, dude, like we were right next to each other. How did, how did I step over him and you stumped? Like it was the weirdest thing. So like that happened all the time. I mean, um, I, I like, I can give you a million different things where just some fluke deal, some guy falls, something weird happens and a guy gets hurt. And I, I really think like when you come across guys that are like, you know, Will Shields didn't miss a, a game or a play in like 14 years and never had a major injury. I'm like, ah, is that luck or, you know, talent or was, was he really durable or was he just like, uh, you know, somehow, you know, blessed and lucky. I think it's a balance. Cause I mean, I saw a lot of really good players and I'm sure like you, you know, like, you know, everything's fine. And then something weird happens and like your bicep ruptures and you're like, how oh, the shit, like I've done this a hundred times. How did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. There's just crazy things. I think, I think luck has a lot to do with it. I mean, my second year, I remember we were playing the Colts and uh, I caught a screen pass, turn around, you know, do like a flip turn or whatever. And then uh, the safety has a 15 year, 15 yard head start. Was it Bob right Sanders? No. Um, wasn't Bob Sanders. I I was going to say, if it was Bob Sanders, I know why he got hurt uh, (laughs) because I played against him about the same time in the playoffs. And uh, I saw that little fucker and he looked like a little ball of muscle and I hit him. Uh And I swear to God, I don't think I've ever hit a fucking DB that hit as hard as that dude. So as soon as you said the Colts and a safety, I was like, I wonder if it was Bob Sanders. Now I know why he got hurt. It could have been. Yeah. Like he hit me dead on in the legs and it basically just folded me in half. So my legs stayed put and my upper body touched the ground. I remember my elbows like hitting the ground and I felt a pop in, in the side of my leg 
and it was my hamstring coming off the bone um, <laughs> below the knee. <laughs> Uh, I'm, 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 I'm only yeah, laughing because it's, uh, it, it, it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, you mean NFL players, you're like, what happened? You're like, Oh, I ripped my hamstring completely off the bone. And they're like, and then the doctor's like, we've never seen this happen before. And you're like, well, it fucking happened. Like, uh, what is it? Like a proximal rupture off of the, you know, you're like, like, like the weirdest shit would happen like that. You know, like a dude's bicep ruptures in the middle and they both shoot up and it's bald here and here. And the doctor's like, fuck, I've never seen that one before. I used to hear that all the time. It's the doctor being like, I've never seen that before. So yeah, no, I know what you're saying, dude. Uh, fucking exactly. so. And you, I didn't think I was down, so I tried to keep running. Like, <laughs> I didn't think I was because I was like, oh, I'm good. So I tried to take off running. I get two steps in, and I'm like, oh god. Did uh, wrong. did they do surgery on that one? They did, yeah, yeah. 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 And I I tried to, I, I was going to the sideline actually, and everybody's like, get down, get down. I'm like, what? I, like I can walk. I'm fine. And they wanted to make a, you know, they want to make a personnel substitution. They're like, get down. So I literally just sat down like at the numbers and I got, I got booed by the entire place. <laughs> I, I just took a seat and I was very injured and like, no one really knew. Oh God. Like, yeah. like Indian style. Uh, dude. I, yeah. Basically just, yeah. Just took a seat and just like hung out and waited for the training staff to come over. <laughs> dude. We, we played, uh, it was on a Monday night. We played the Patriots when, when I would think I was at the chiefs and uh, I stepped down and like the, just as I stepped down, the dude slanted and I like loaded the dude and, uh, I felt my hip flexor just fucking rip and it ripped clean off the bone. And like all of a sudden I just fell down and it was like third down, you know, like fucking incomplete pass. And I come out and, uh, they're like motherfucking me. Uh, like, you know, you got to stop that inside charge. And I'm like, uh, I can't lift my fucking leg. And I'm like dragging this stump behind me. And like, they come over and like, uh, they, they like, you know, on the sideline, they're like, you know, screen, like take my pants off. And like the doctor can basically see like the swelling on my hip flexor because it's created a bubble that like came up like two inches, like the muscle ruptured and totally swole. And they were like, you know, like, uh, uh, holy shit, you know, and then they take me in and like, you know, they had an x-ray in the deal and like the doctor, like, of course you can't like muscle things for x-rays, but then the doctor sees that the insertion is ripped, uh, you know, for the hip flexor. And, uh, like, and then I come back out and they're like, Hey, can we just, you know, like, uh, wrap it up? You know, if we cut it and I'm just like, you fucking assholes. So like, that was a weird one when you start just getting things rupturing off the bone. Yeah. That was that hip flexor dude was, was awful. So I know, uh, I, I didn't, I'm not having surgery cause they're like, Oh, it'll reattach. I still don't know how it ever mm. did, but yeah. I mean, I think there's certain things that reattach, maybe some that don't, but yeah, I mean, that would have definitely yeah. been a weird one. Yeah. And that was probably the most painful surgery I've ever had by far. I, I came out of that there, before, before I went to surgery, like, Oh, you want a nerve block? And I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'll be fine. You know, whatever. I came out of surgery like wanting to fight somebody. It hurt so bad. I mean, it was terrible. So they did, did nerve block. Did after. they? Uh, oh fuck, dude. Uh, did they like uh, basically loop a bunch of stuff and then like drill holes and then like suture it? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Like, there's a little part of my leg that my yeah on um, my lateral uh, fibula, I guess, and just. Yeah, it's got it's weird. It's like sticking out a little bit. <laughs> does uh did does like your fib tib fib kind of get jammed up sometimes or you gotta kinda like take your hands and kinda almost like do like a manual adjustment to kind of release it a little? I haven't had too many issues with it. No. I mean it, it's been fine. I, like it doesn't lock up or anything like that. So thankfully it's it's, it's good. Like I, I feel good now. Yeah. So I haven't had any issues. So thankfully. uh you what you broke a hand, uh tore your uh hamstring off of the bone. What else? 
uh, tore my right meniscus probably the uh, second day of pads in my rookie year and didn't tell anyone for a little while. <laughs> until until it started just still, locking up. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then uh, and then I just yeah, I just I just dealt with it for the entire season and I got it fixed after the season. So um it was it was kind of one of those things. Once the once the swelling and everything kind of got out of there, um it was it was good enough to to play with. It wasn't it wasn't too big. It would lock every once in a while, but it wasn't it wasn't a huge issue. So, but, how, um, so, so you ended up playing for, uh, Jacksonville and then you went to Atlanta Tennessee. or sorry, Tennessee and then Atlanta. Right. Yeah. So I, I spent 12, 13, 14 in Tennessee and then, um, 15 in Atlanta. And then, and that was it for me. Uh, didn't look too good on paper at that point, <laughs> multiple surgeries, uh, 30 years old, uh, 30, yeah, 30 year old running back with multiple surgeries, you know, it's just, it was time. It was time. I've t- I've told these guys that uh, all of a sudden the NFL, you turn thirty and like it's the weirdest thing. I remember like my thirtieth birthday happened and people like just start treating you different. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like it's the weird. Like I'm like, am I making this up in my mind? And they're like, well, you're thirty now. And I'm like, uh, now I think back on it, like I was like just a young kid at thirty, but yet in the NFL they treat you like a uh, dead man walking. You know, I mean that's really. Like I, I heard it all the time, you know, especially like the, as you know, like the trainers are really interesting because usually like the football staff uses the trainers because they're in the meetings to try to like get information out, like submersive information. So like all of a sudden the trainers will be in there talking about stuff and you're like, oh, these fucking assholes. But they'd be like, well, you know, so-and-so slowed down. He just turned 30 and I'd be like, fuck you. But yeah, that was, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this too, where like all of a sudden like the trainers are saying shit like this and you're like... I know exactly where this shit's coming from, you know, almost to the point where they're like planted to like submerge in or subvert information like, uh, uh, you know, like within like a military operation where they're just like leaking <laughs> intel, you know, but yeah, that's, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> to the point where you're like, is this really true? Or are you just trying to tell me what the coach doesn't have the balls to tell me that I'm 30 years old? I'm over the hill now. It's fucking crazy, dude. And I, I'd like in, in my head, it's so weird. Like, especially when I like, you know, meet people that are 30, I'm like, ah, oh, you guys are still kids. And like, we were still kids, but yet in the NFL, they have this, but maybe like the Tom Brady thing has changed where now all of a sudden you have like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and these dudes that are in their forties. Like I remember when I was a rookie, there was one dude in his forties and it was Sean Landetta who was the punter for us. And like, he was the only person that like played into their forties other than like, uh, who was it? Uh, Clay Matthews played into his forties. Like to have a play guy in his forties was like unheard of. So the fact that like all these, like there's all these like late thirties, 40 year old guys now just either goes to show that like somehow we figured out longevity or just the volatility of the game is so diminished that it's no longer, you know, it's something you could be able to do. I remember Tony Gonzalez told me after, you know, after the lockout, when the new CBA came through, I remember he called me and was like, yo man, we could have played 30 fucking years if we had been, if we mm. had been started in this, you know, cause I played in like the Dick Vermeil days when it was like my rookie year, we went to training camp, 42 days in training camp, pads, pads, pads. Wow. Special teams, pads, 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 special teams. And we had a buy in preseason. Ooh. So we were in it for like literally six weeks of training camp. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was terrible. That's so much. Yeah. yeah. It just breaks you down. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I don't know why you guys aren't very tough. You're like, fuck, dude. We just had something like 34 fucking two hour fucking grinders in training camp, you know? So I think, uh, I mean, it's good just because, uh, you know, you, you know, you pay these guys all this money and then you just, gr- you know, grind them into dust with your boot heel. So, I mean, but I understand it, but then also you look at the game and you're like, it's not very exciting anymore. Mm. 
Yeah. So. Colin, at these teams, did they they look to your past experience with Army and look to you for any leadership and guidance there? Uh, I think that played into it. Um, I don't think they were, you know, looking to me as, you know, the ultimate leader of the team or anything. But it was like, yeah, it, it, a good guy to have in the locker room. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a different story. You have a different experience. You're an older guy. Um, you know, you're a 26 year old rookie. You're not, you know, 22, um, 23 years old. So it, it, yeah, I think that that helped me, um, stick around a little bit. I think that that played into it as well. Um, I mean, the NFL is very business-like. I mean, they're, if you're not producing like you, they're going to get rid of you. Um, but at the same time, they they look at players uh, as a whole. Like, is this guy good for the locker room? Is this guy, um, you know, are we going to be able to win with this guy? Is he going to help us win? I think that that helps as well. Yeah. And who who are the strength coaches? Did you have Jesse Ackerman when you were at Atlanta? Did you get the opportunity to meet him? Um. Yeah. 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 I met him, and then I uh, under um, Steve Watterson uh, in Tennessee. Um, I've actually been like blessed with really great strength coaches, Scott Swanson at army, uh, unbelievable. Um, actually John mother Dunn was at army when I was there. Um, yeah, Gabe Harrington, he was at Sornex for a little bit. And I, I think he was with Rogers now, but he's a great strength coach. Uh, Steve Watterson. I mean, there's just so many. And then, um, gosh, got, was able to meet Dan Riley. He was, he was a former Houston Texans. He was kind of, OG, he was like one of those OGs of uh, of manual resistance. I mean, there's there's been a lot of guys that have been, you know, privileged to be able to meet and, and get coached by. I think that's something good. Yeah, the John had a pal, Tom Canavy, who's yeah. Titans, but I think you might have missed that window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, mm. yeah, Canavy would have been one of the assistants at uh, Tennessee, and then I think Vrabel fired him and brought in his own guy. So yeah. That, that'll happen. Yeah, no, everybody wants to bring in their own guy, and you know, the crazy part is I played with Vrabel. So that's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it makes me laugh that I see him out there. So if only we could yeah, tell the real stories. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to see the progression of like some guy. Because I remember when I was in Tennessee, uh, you know, Arthur Smith was a quality control guy. And now he's the head coach of the, the Falcons. And it's like, it's just cool to see that progression and like see where they, see where they end up. Uh, Sean, Sean, uh, Sean McDermott was Andy Reid's uh, handmaid. Like he was his, basically his fucking bitch boy. Mm. He had to go get him lunch and like read his things and like make sure his clothes were out. Like Sean McDermott's yeah. job when I went out to the Eagles was like the lowliest of lowly jobs. And now, and now he's a fucking head coach killing it in Buffalo. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing how those yeah, guys like, awesome. yeah. they just got to get in it and you got to stay in and like work with the staff. I mean, he was really lucky because that staff that we had in the, in Philly ended up going on and you know, everybody on that staff was a head coach or a coordinator. So it ended up working out real well for him. But, uh, I always think, dude, every time I see the games, I'm always like, damn, that dude used to have to get Andy Reid food, which was fucking hilarious. Because it was it was like seven fucking trays, and then this door would open, hey. and this big bear arm would just go, and pull it in, and then the fucking, and then we used to laugh that the door would open, and then he would just throw trays of fucking empty food containers at Sean McDermott. We had a whole skit about it. It was fucking great. We're like, <laughs> they used to call him Mini Reid, because he's red-haired. Like, yeah, it was, it was really, it was, it was, as you know, in training camp, it gets really boring and you find a bunch of whole like shit to latch onto. That was our big one. We're like, oh, like yeah. min, mini read. And you're like, that was like the Austin mini, Powers. Mini. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 
With, yeah, man. Colin, training looks a little bit different now. So speak to that you that transitions. We get the opportunity to speak to a lot of professional athletes that some of them are able to to find success. Some have struggles following leaving their professional career. So I know you've been still continuing to train hard. Like what was that transition leaving the NFL and now finding new opportunities for yourself? Uh, well, just being consistent and making in, you know, in guarding that time uh, to get my, you know, training in. Like I, I enjoy training. I've always enjoyed training. So, um, you know, I try to make it a part of my day, no matter how busy. Um, and, and that's, that's shifted. I mean, that's, it's always going to change depending on what you're doing. And especially right now, I mean, I'm going through clinical rotations, uh, in my third year of medical school. And so just being able to find the time to get something in, um, you know, is, can be difficult at times, but I mean, my ultimate goal is, you know, one to be functional, um, like the, the specialties I enjoy, like emergency medicine and, and orthopedics, um, you know, they're very physically demanding uh, jobs. So, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I can, I can handle, uh, I can handle that. And, and also just be able to be a dad, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of physical work too. I mean, I want to, you know, most importantly, I, I want my, if, if, if one of my kids, you know, we're at the pool and one of my kids asked me to, you know, throw them in the pool or, you know, throw them across the pool. Like, I want to be able to launch that kid to outer space. You know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> there are very, there are very few things that make a father, like, uh, uh, like cap a father's <laughs> ability when you're in the pool and your kids are like, throw me to be able to throw them dramatically farther than any of the other parents. <laughs> and then when you do a good job, all of a sudden all the kids come over and wait in line for you <laughs> and all the other parents. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to fucking launch these little shits. Oh no, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, did, did, uh, were, were, um, when you were at, at army, uh, what was your undergrad? Was it undergrad in medicine? No, so I was a, I was basically a business major. Um, so I, we had, the major was management, which was basically our version of you know, business. Um, so yeah, the, the medical thing didn't really come around until actually, uh, 2014 when I got let go from the Titans, I, I decided to shadow some of the team docs because I, you know, I built a pretty good relationship with them because of my injuries. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so um, I was, you know, I was, after I got done playing, I, I actually went into finance um, because the opportunity was there, uh, you know, and it was a great job. I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And someone offered me, they offered me a job. It was a great job um you know and and i did that for about two years and i just i was not happy with what i was doing so i i looked back to that experience in 2014 and said man i i really enjoyed that experience i i like what they were doing i love the or uh they're working as a team they're helping people like i want to be a part of that so i went back to school in 2018 uh to do all the prereqs like organic chemistry and biochem and all that stuff uh it took me about two years uh, from 2018 to, to get to until the time I got into school in 2020. Um, and that was, man, that was, that was a lot. Like that was, and that was a huge leap of faith. Like that was kind of crazy. I'm almost, I'm convinced my, my wife is a saint after going through that. Like she, I, I can't believe she didn't leave me because we, we had a, you know, a great life in Nashville. We, we sold everything. We sold a really nice house and in, in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is a you know, great place. And, um, you know, I, I was a part owner in a gym, you know, I had a 664 Bronco, which my 
you know, it was my dream car forever. And I, I gave it all up. Like I literally sold everything. Like I sold our house, sold the gym, or at least my stake in the gym, sold the Bronco. And we went and we moved in with uh, my in-laws in Pennsylvania. Like, and we lived in their, we literally lived in their attic for two years. Um, and had twins in that time, which was a whole different thing. And, uh, and yeah, went to school and finally, yeah, I got into school in 2020 and then we moved to Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot, but it was, it was the transition was, it was, you know, it's not, it's not easy. Like even, you know, you see these guys that, that stop playing and then they have issues. I mean, it's, it's tough, man. Like you're going from such a high energy, high, level um you know situation to maybe nothing at all like you're not doing anything you still have those feelings like i still want to run down and hit a guy and like i can't like i there's there's nowhere else you can you can do that like that kind of violence uh, i mean besides like being in the military or something in a, in a war situation but well uh, if you live in philly uh, yeah, 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 I was gonna say you could go out and get some drinks. I mean, you know, like uh, down on uh, you know fucking French or uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of bars that uh, about two a.m. you could just go fucking light people up and nobody would ever know. So <laughs> not wrong, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're like you you kind of lose that that part of your life, and it's been such a big part of your life for so long that. You know, once it's gone, that can be a hard transition. But thankfully, you know, I had had great support, had had people that, you know, wanted to help me and get me on the right track and everything. So, you know, that's that's why I took that job. I and mean, there's people reaching out, like, what do you want to do? And like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure just yet. But um, there was an opportunity there and took it and it, yeah, it took me some time to figure out where I wanted to be. But I feel like now I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like I'm I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm working right now. I'm on a rotation in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville doing emergency medicine. And just, you know, it, it, it feels like it feels right. It feels like where I'm supposed to be. So, uh, you know, it's just, it sometimes takes a little time and, and you, you just got to figure it out. But it, it, for me, that's kind of been the story is like time and being able to put in the work and, and, over time and and to get to where you want to go because you know like it took me three years to start an army it took me three years to get in the nfl um you know it took me a while to get into med school it, it things take time and people don't they see someone's journey and they don't really realize how long it may have taken or how much work went into getting in that that place and and how many people were willing to put their neck out there for that person along the way um because to say that I did it on my, like I, there's no way I could have done anything without the help that I received from, from other people that are willing to help me, you know? So, and, and, you know, there's also something to be said for when you're given an opportunity, don't mess that up. Like if someone is going to stick their neck out there, out there for you and give you an opportunity, like take advantage of it and, and make the most of it. Don't, don't just, you know, blow it off. Like it's no big deal. Like you, you go hard when you get that opportunity. So, so yeah, transitioning it was it was different, but it it, it it's worked out so far. So 
we're, awesome. I think we're on the, the right No, track. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a testament to tenacity and just your ability to stay in the fight. A lot of people would have like, uh, you know what, this isn't going to work. I'm out of this deal. I mean, to be away from football for three years and be able to get back into it, it's impressive. Uh, I mean, the med school thing, especially without having done that in your undergrad, uh, to go back and do that and then uh, live with your mother-in-laws. I mean, I, I have twins as well. I got <laughs> twin girls, so I feel for you. Um, my wife, like, I don't think I slept more than like 45 minutes for almost the first like six months because my wife was breastfeeding. Oh, okay. So it was like, you know, like this like three hour schedule where they had to eat and it was like up, down, get them ready, you know, get them in place, sleep now, pop back up. I mean, like that, uh, I can't even imagine like doing that. I mean, I was trying to work my job and do everything and travel for seminars and a lot of stuff. And it was, uh, extremely demanding. So good on you for that. Yeah, it's a lot. And yeah, like good on our wives for, <laughs> for, for dealing with that. Like, I, I can't even imagine like, you know, just this, being sleep deprived and having to feed two kids, like oh man, it's it's hard enough with one. You got yeah, you got two. It's yeah. Well, uh, and and, and then and just a, and then we had a third, and it was amazing when we had uh, my little boy. How like we were like holy shit, like this is one kid, like like the divide and conquer. Like you like alternate. Like it wasn't like we were both in like a fucking firefight, like a firestorm all the time. So, I mean, so then uh, yeah. uh, where'd you go in school? And like when you were in Philly or uh, Pennsylvania, where where did you? Uh, where did you do your uh, schooling? Uh, so I started the undergrad journey actually at Middle Tennessee State. So I, I took biology there. Uh, and then we found out that my father-in-law was going to have a heart transplant. So he has uh, amyloidosis. Um, and we found out we, he was going to have a heart transplant. So we said we were going to move closer. And they said, well, why don't you just, you know, while he's going to school, why don't you just come live with us? And like, yeah, yeah, let me, you know, that'd be fine. And so we lived with them, and then I ended up uh, taking classes at uh, Lehigh University because they oh, live yeah. they live pretty close to Lehigh. Um, um, that's then, where we went to training camp when I was at the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's where we had training camp. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So we, I was there uh, for a couple semesters. Did like uh, organic chemistry and, and genetics at Lehigh, and then knocked out a couple courses uh, at a local community college, uh, Northampton Community College. Um, so it's basically just. I was, I was basically just trying to get the classes wherever I could because it, it doesn't, you don't have to do a post-bac or, or anything. You, you just have to have the courses. Um, so thankfully, uh, thankfully West Point's very math and uh, somewhat science heavy because big engineering school. Uh, so I, I took like six and a half semesters of math and um, yeah, I took chemistry and physics at West Point. So I already had those knocked out. And so I really just had to get all the biologies, the organic chemistry. Um, yeah. And then a genetics course and, and then uh, was taking the MCAT and applying to schools, which man, it, it is a process. Like <laughs> you, you, uh, you don't realize what you're getting into when you, you apply to medical school, but it, it, is, it is a process. It, it's a lot, but it, it, yeah. Well, I, I believe it. I got no. one, one final question here. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> family man and you're on rotation time is limited and i know you jumped on the grindstone program and i i hit you up man so how's that experience been for you to just utilize the the flexibility and the choose your own adventure to still hit it while you got all this going on it's great i yeah it's really worked out for me uh the grindstone works out really well for me because so right now I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, so I'm going to run a half marathon next weekend. 
And then I'm going to try to do a full marathon uh, at the end of the month. So I'm, I'm running like three days a week. And then, um, and then I still like to lift. Like, I don't want to like shrink up and, you know, lose all my gains. So uh, I, I get those lifts in. I do the, I do the man. The, the mandatory lower on Mondays. I hit the mandatory upper on Wednesday, and then Friday is kind of like the the wild card. Um, I just kind of pick you know one of the optionals that that's left, or I'll do something that's like a CrossFit something or whatever, and then I'll you know run again on Saturday. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm running. Um, at least right now. So yeah, that's that's kind of another thing. Is like with the training now, it's like I want to be able to go run a half marathon marathon if like a buddy asked me because literally i was in a radiology course and the guy i was talking with the guy next to me he's like hey yeah have, have you ever done a marathon before i was like no yeah he's like let's let's do the the philly marathon so it's like all what? right let's do it is he as big as you <laughs> um yeah he's he's a big dude yeah he's yeah he's He's not like a runner body type either. So, <laughs> well, uh, uh, <laughs> I think the Philly Marathon might go through the uh, like. I think the least the one I remember, uh, they used to like. Um, it was based on like Rocky, so it used uh, to go through the Italian market. Is that the one? And they would, sh- and, uh, and then it finishes on the steps. Well, you know all the back cuts, so you can finish that half a marathon uh, in dude, record time. I do know Philly like the back of my hand. I uh, I love that yeah. place. I like. It was actually funny. Uh, a, b- a buddy of mine's going out there this weekend. And he was like, hey, where should I go in this? And I, I like looked it up and a bunch of the old haunts that I used to go to, uh, I sent him. I was like, yo, there was a, a really bitch in Mexican food restaurant that had like small batch tequilas called Tequila right on Walnut Street. And I was like, yo, you got to go. And I looked it up. They're like, we're celebrating 35 years. I think I was at their like 15th anniversary party. So, I mean, it was pretty neat, dude. Like I, um, Philly is one of those, uh, you know, coming from California, I might as well have been going to fucking Gotham city, but after being there, I love that place. I, I, I really enjoy going to Philadelphia. I don't know if I could live there, but I do enjoy the people and I enjoy Philadelphia. I like it. So. Yeah. Living there is, is a different animal, but it, it's been good. It's been good. We have a, we have a nice little neighborhood, you know, so it, it's worked out really nice. Where, uh, you know, where are you guys at? So we're in Roxborough, which is like right above Maniunk. Yeah, uh, dude, I, I used to live in Maniunk. Yeah. So I lived in oh, Ritten, nice. I, I lived in Rittenhouse and then I lived in Maniunk. So I would basically take Kelly Drive and basically go that way. Yeah. I lived right in Maniunk. So I know right where, Rock, where Roxborough is. So that's fucking, that's uh. Yeah, you know where Delisandro's is? Yeah, I was about to say that. Yes. So my cousin went to St. <laughs> Joe's and he's all about that. Yeah. So I visited him. Oh, yeah. So we live like catty corner to Delisandro's right there. So, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. dude. I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I know the area ex- extremely well. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So we're right there. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Mooney, like thank six you. Six minutes to, to PCOM, like the, where, I'm, where I'm going to school. So it, it's nice. Yeah. Sweet. Nice, dude. Well, Mooney, thank you for making time. I know you're a busy man and, and continue to inspire. Dude, no shortage of goals, especially this marathon thing. I'm, I continue to be amazed, dude. Yeah, no, I kind of threw up on my mouth for you a little bit, but uh, it's a good time. I'm sure you'll yeah, have fun. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, these blisters, my feet. Playlist. Oh, All about the playlist. Nice. Well, good point. yeah, dude, we'll let you go. Thank you for joining us for Power Athlete Radio. Thanks, dude. Pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see you all.